Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I am coming to you today from Cincinnati, Ohio, in the studios of WVXU here. Thanks very much to the folks at the public radio station here in Cincinnati for hosting us today. I was in town last night for the Scripps Howard Journalism Awards, and I'm still here today, but I will be back in Detroit for the Friday morning show on WDET. A little later in the show, we're going to talk to the author of a book about buying a $500 house in Detroit. We have all heard the stories about how you can buy a house for virtually no money in the city of Detroit, but once you own it and decide to live there, decide to become part of one of the city's neighborhoods, uh, the many challenged neighborhoods throughout the city, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What do you learn from that experience? Uh, Drew Philp, who's uh, an author uh, and writer in town, uh, wrote the book called A $500 house, $500 house in Detroit. We will have him in studio to talk about that. But up first, a new project is underway to reconstruct an old neighborhood in Detroit that was once the epicenter of black life and entertainment in the city. Black Bottom was one of the few neighborhoods in Detroit where black people and marginalized immigrants were allowed to live in the turn of the last century. Black Bottom was eventually decimated to make way for I-375 downtown. The new project would recreate Black Bottom in the digital world, using photographs to create a virtual neighborhood online. We'll talk to the creators of the project in just a moment, but first, let's get a little context about Black Bottom's legacy. WDET's Laura Webber Davis has this brief history. First, let's talk about the name. Black Bottom is often thought, even by some residents of the day, to have been a racial epithet aimed at the East Side neighborhood near downtown. But that's not the case. Not at all. That's Ken Coleman, a Detroit-based historian and author. In fact, uh, the term Black Bottom really goes back to the early 1800s and the French settlers. And uh, that land uh, was very much known to uh, be fertile in term for farming purposes. Uh, it had sort of bla- a black texture and color to it. And so they termed the community uh, Black Bottom. And that's really where it comes from. By the late 1800s, French farmers and fur traders had long moved on and other European immigrants came to Detroit. Italians, Germans, Polish, Russian Jews... The major influx of African Americans in Detroit began in earnest with the Great Migration of the early 20th century. Detroit is a melting pot. I mean, African Americans come mainly from the South. Yes, everybody was from the South at that time. See, if you were born in Detroit, that was a distinction. (laughs) This is a recording from the Walter Ruther Library at Wayne State University. The audio is fuzzy, and it isn't clear from the case file who is speaking, but she was born in Black Bottom when men and women were coming north for jobs in manufacturing. Everybody was coming up because Ford was offering Mm -hmm. this $5 a day. It's awesome job. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were packing families into one room. Mm -hmm and then charge them about $50 a month rent, which was exorbitant at that time, considering that people were only making $5 a day. They were packing families into Black Bottom homes because there were limited options. Black families were rarely allowed to purchase homes. Uh, Restricted covenants and deeds restricted you from living in most of the city and really Black Bottom. Outside of a couple small enclaves uh, in Detroit, Black Bottom was the only place where you could live. By some estimates, there were 350 Black-owned businesses in Black Bottom. 
Paradise Valley was the adjoining neighborhood to the north where bars and clubs filled the main thoroughfare, Hastings Street. Hastings Street Opera. Boys all down Hastings Street. Jazz, blues, and the early notes of rock and soul. And despite living arrangements, black and white folks intermingled in the bars. And you would have this black and tan. Have you run across that phrase yet? No. All right, you would have black and tan bars. So write that down. Black and tan bars. Black and tan. Uh, There were many music venues called black and tans, where um, African Americans and whites could enter as patrons, whether they would be jazz clubs or blind pigs after hour uh, establishments or the blues scene. And there was a very vibrant blues scene emanating from Paradise Valley. And there was a vibrant vice scene as well. Alcohol, gambling, organized crime running the numbers, and of course, the world's oldest profession, prostitution. Yes, that's Hastings Street Opera. Black Bottom and Paradise Valley became known nationally as an incubator of musical talent and a good time. But overcrowding from immigration and the Great Migration took its toll on the infrastructure in Black Bottom. Ken Coleman says city officials began to take notice. Um, a term comes very popular, becomes very popular in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s called slum clearance. Here's John Gallagher, a reporter with the Detroit Free Press. You know, if you talk to some of the planners who were there at the time, uh, they would point to the fact that a lot of this, uh, a lot of these buildings in these older areas dated to the late 1800s. Um, that they were, you know, wood frame buildings that needed a lot of work. If you dug down beneath the uh, surface, you found wooden sewer pipes that dated from, you know, heaven knows when. Um, and so they really thought that they were wiping out slums and creating modern middle-class housing. Gallagher says officials made plans to clear Black Bottom and Paradise Valley in favor of what they believed to be a cleaner, shinier future. Well, I think you have to go back uh, perhaps to the the, uh, World's Fair uh, in 1939 in New York. New horizons. Roads for men to go places. So the GM-inspired vision of what a city was and how we're expressways, high-speed expressways were obviously the way to go. And everybody, I mean, every city bought into that. Detroit probably as much or more than anybody. Freeways. Highways and byways designed for high rates of speed in and out of city centers. Wide monoliths driven through the perceived valueless land of slums. I-75 and I-375 were plotted out directly along Black Bottom and Paradise Valley's main artery, Hastings Street. But the city did little to help relocate residents as slum clearance took hold, particularly for African Americans who most often rented from white landlords. That was a misguided notion that somehow freeways were going to benefit cities, and instead what they've done is mostly destroy neighborhoods. By the 1950s and 60s, the hope of urban renewal also brought steel and glass and modern architectural triumphs such as Lafayette Park to Black Bottom, Detroit, and the rest of the country. Again, here's Ken Coleman. There aren't very many people that would would argue against taking a community and rebuilding it. The problem was for places like Black Bottom that urban renewal, if you will, meant Negro removal. There was a recent effort to remove and reimagine the mile-long stretch of I-375 in the heart of the area once known as Black Bottom, but that's been put on hold by officials for the time being. 
Thanks to Detroit Today producer Laura Weber Davis for that wonderful piece about Black Bottom. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a couple people who want to walk down the streets of Black Bottom once again, but this time online. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. The old Detroit neighborhood of Black Bottom may soon be walkable once again, this time in virtual reality online. Architect Emily Kudel found many old photographs of Black Bottom in the Detroit Public Library's Burton Historical Collection and wants to recreate the old community for modern Detroiters to visit. Emily Kudel uh, joins us now along with Marsha Music, who is an advisor on the Black Bottom Project. Emily and Marsha, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much. Absolutely. So, uh, Emily, I, I read a story about uh, about this project and, and looked at it, and I, I have to say, the hair just stood up on the back of my neck uh, when I started looking at the things that you're uncovering and the way that you're putting them back together. Uh, I, I'm somebody who doesn't remember uh, the Black Bottom neighborhood. It, it's something that uh, I've heard people talk about my whole life here in the city of Detroit. Uh, seeing it in the way that you're recreating it, though, brought it to life in a way that I have to say I haven't I haven't experienced uh, before. Talk about where you came up with the idea for this and uh, what you intend people to sort of take away from it. Thanks. Um, so basically, uh, like you said, the Burton Historic Collection has about a thousand photographs of Black Bottom. Um, they were actually taken as a part of the eminent domain process. Um, uh-huh. It was a, a city record and they were um, basically taking photographs of the houses to assess the value of the homes so that they could compensate the owners. Um, and they sort of sat in storage for a long time and were just recently digitized. Um, so it was kind of a weird little side project that I was just doing in my spare time where I, I was trying to find photographs <laughs> of Hastings Street, actually, um, uh-huh. just to see what it looked like. Um, because, you know, I'm a person with a background in architecture and I was just sort of trying to see what the historic neighborhood looked like. And I found this massive collection of photographs of homes um, and when I realized what it was, I just sort of downloaded them all, and I've been kind of stitching them together in these panoramas. So basically, you can see the neighborhood as it was. Um, yeah. And it's basically it's about half of the neighborhood, half of Black Bottom that they have photographs of. So we are, you know, still looking for sort of more photographs of the rest of the neighborhood. Um, but the goal is to make a website that folks can navigate, kind of like Google Street View. Um, that will also be a kind of uh, repository for uh, other folks' archives and stories so that people can sort of contribute their own family histories um, and their own sort of knowledge of the neighborhood. Sure, sure. Uh, You're an architect by by trade, uh, but hearing you talk just now, it almost sounds like I'm talking to an historian. Uh, Talk about what what makes you interested in in this in particular, this, this kind of history. 
Well, I, I don't at all pretend to be a historian, um, and I'm actually <laughs> very much a, a, a novice to this history, um, which is why it's it's so important um, that you know folks like Marsha Music, um, you know, uh, other real historians who've been talking about this history and writing about it and giving tours about this history, um, you know, it's it's so important that they're sort of the the people who are really um, sort of at the forefront of this. Uh, Jaman Jordan, who does the Black Scroll Network sure. history tours yeah. um, that are really amazing. Um, Ken Coleman, who you heard in the piece earlier, has written an amazing book called A Million Dollars Worth of Nerve. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't actually know very much. <laughs> I, I'm learning a lot, um, but my sort of skill set is in visualization and, you know, architecture. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I know a little bit about the context of the, of the, you know, freeway construction program and the housing program that sort of uh, led to the demolition of Black Bottom, um, but that's you know that's kind of the perspective that I'm bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marsha Music. Uh, one of the things that I think is really uh, sort of keen about uh, current day Detroit is that for those of us who've who've been here for a long time, there are a lot of things that used to exist that that don't anymore. And in, and in many instances, when we talk about those things, when we remember those things, uh, the feelings we have about uh, that, the, the reaction we have to that loss is sad. It's a, it's a, a mourning almost of, of what we used to have uh, in this city. I, I feel like this project, though, is uh, I found it making, making me feel the opposite, uh, almost uh, celebratory about uh, this neighborhood. I mean, it, it, the, the sadness about its uh, disappearance, about its destruction, I think uh, is a little bit uh, overwhelmed in this case by just the idea that uh, you might be able to experience it again, even if it's just uh, even if it's just online. Well, Stephen, I had the same reaction that you described when I first saw the collection that Emily had unearthed. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Seeing these first-time photographs of the Black Bottom area that I had only heard about. I have been studying this area for some years now. However, the photographs uh, of the area and images simply were not available on any large scale. So to see these actual photographs, number one, it belied the common narrative that said that Black Bottom was merely a slum. Was a slum, sure, yeah. To see those uh, very substantial uh, buildings, many of them brick buildings, some of them frame buildings, some of them bedraggled and, dis and in disrepair, but to see this uh, uh, blocks of the, of the uh, community that was extant at that time was just really remarkable to me. And it, it felt like what I have described as uh, unearthing the lost city of Atlantis. <laughs> wow, yeah. Because, no, that's, that's about right. <laughs> because uh, Black Bottom has existed for many years now only in the memories of the people who either lived there or knew it. Uh, without any uh, uh, visual imagery to accompany those memories like in other communities of Detroit. 
And to see these homes and to see uh, people on the street, sometimes in the photographs, it really brings Black Bottom to life in a way that has never happened before. So uh, I... uh, I, too, view this as a very uh, celebratory experience to even be associated with this project. It is really uh, a monumental thing for the city of Detroit that Emily has uh, started this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Emily Emily Kudel. She is an architect. Uh, She is working to reconstruct Detroit's old Black Bottom neighborhood through photographs online. Also with me is Marsha Music. She's an advisor on the Black Bottom Project. Uh, Give us a call if you want to join the conversation. Uh, Talk about either your memories of uh, Black Bottom, if you have them, uh, or talk about the things that you've heard about this neighborhood, a neighborhood of tremendous lore and uh, reputation here in the city of Detroit. Uh, A real broad range of thoughts and emotions, I think, come up when we talk about Black Bottom, what happened to it, what it really was. Uh, Give us a call and and talk about what your memories of it, what your thoughts are about it, and uh, whether you might really want to take a virtual tour uh, of this forgotten and lost area of the city. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Marsha, I also want to talk to you about uh, your personal connection uh, to this neighborhood, which I know a little bit about. I, I feel like in the last few weeks, I've learned more about it, uh, I, 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 first in uh, a film that I saw, and then uh, during a speech uh, that I was listening to about your father. Uh, talk about his connection with this neighborhood. Well, my father was a record seller and producer by the name of Joe Von Battle who had a record shop on Hastings Street. The record shop was not on, um, not in Black Bottom. It was further north of Black Bottom in an area that was also becoming known as Uptown during those days. Uh, But he had a record shop uh, near the corner of Hastings and Mack, and that record store serviced the area uh, that was just south of it, which was mainly Black Bottom. And uh-huh. the people that were coming up from the south had a great desire to hear a lot of the music of the south, which was primarily the blues. And so my father sold a uh, primarily blues recordings. He was known as a blues uh, record uh, record seller, uh, although Hastings was also an area for an, a street uh, of a great amount of jazz. Uh, clubs and uh, record shops. But my dad was a blues seller, and he was quite seminal at his time, recording Joe John Lee Hooker in the early days and uh, all of the records of the Reverend C.L. Franklin, who had a church down the street on Hastings, further north, and, uh, and subsequently of his young daughter, Aretha Franklin. He recorded her very first records uh, when she was a 14-year-old in the choir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we may have heard of her. I don't know. Some, uh, some in, people in know about her now. <laughs> <laughs> right. In her amazing voice. Yeah, right. That my uh, father recognized. 
Right, right. Uh, and he later moved uh, that store uh, over to 12th Street. Is that right? Yes. After the destruction of Black Bottom, uh, you had a drying up of the, the neighborhood itself and of the customers that would come into the stores that were on uh, the, uh, the thoroughfare of Black Bottom, which was Hastings. So um, at, a, at a certain point, my father began to have to make decisions. That decision was made for him by the destruction of Hastings Street to build the Chrysler Freeway. Yeah. So he had to move the record store. He and the other store owners that were able to survive such a change, uh, they began to uh, make, the, make the trek over to the 12th Street area, uh, Detroit at the time uh, was in such segregation that blacks were basically relegated to very limited neighborhoods where they could go. And so in the main, uh, many people from the Black Bottom area gravitated to certain areas of the nearer east side and to the 12th Street neighborhood on the west side. So he yeah. ended up with his record shop on 12th Street where it remained until the uh, rebellion of 1967. Right, right. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. We are talking about the recreation, the virtual recreation of Detroit's old Black Bottom neighborhood. Emily Kudel, an architect, uh, is putting that together based on photographs that she has found in the Detroit Public Library's Burton Historical Collection. Uh, she's also working with Marsha Music, who's an advisor on the project. Uh, you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Talk about your memories of Black Bottom, your thoughts about this neighborhood, your thoughts about the idea of things we have lost here in the city of Detroit, uh, the things that used to be, the things that we might remember from when we were children that we no longer have, uh, and, and how we might preserve those memories uh, in different ways than we have been able to before. I think one of the cool things about this project is that it's possible uh, to do this now. 20 years ago, you couldn't have brought Black Bottom back in this way. Again, 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag uh, Detroit Today, and we will uh, we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Marshall, what about the importance of preserving these memories? What about the importance of being able to to look? our history in its face. Uh, This is a really important year in the city of Detroit, the 50th anniversary of the 1967 rebellion. We're thinking a lot about our past right now, and I think probably a little more than we normally do uh, around the city. Talk about how important it is to be able to do that in the proper context. In other words, uh, in this project, you can actually see what was as opposed to hearing about it. And I think that uh, that gives you a better idea of what uh, what actually was as opposed to what was myth. Uh, this is a city, uh, of course, of spectacular myth, I think, sometimes about a great many things. Uh, talk about the importance of that accuracy in our memories. Well, what was so startling to me was to actually see the photographs of this neighborhood that is so often described as derelicted, uh, slum property, et cetera, to actually see the substantialness of this neighborhood was just, it was just stunning to me. Uh, so that, 
the to actually see this neighborhood that was destroyed in the way that it was to yeah. see the images of what was actually destroyed really gives that period a much greater poignancy uh even you know in my mind uh, to see what people actually lost uh during that period of time um in 1967, uh, the explosion of rage that took place in the city of that time uh, was rooted in that destruction of Black yeah. Bottom. Uh, it did not happen uh, just from a rating of a blind pig, but from years of dealing with uh, very significant um, impositions and reversals uh, in the uh, black community of Detroit. And you have to realize just even from the point of view of time itself, many of the people who were adults in 1967, young adults were children who had uh, been forcibly removed from Black Bottom at that time. Uh, The adults remembered it very, very well. It had only been, you know, a decade Uh, or so a few decades earlier, a couple of decades earlier. So people understood that there was a a line, a continuum of reversals that had taken place that had really plagued the community during that time. And so it is very important even to get a sense of closure uh, about the unhealed wound of this destruction of an entire community. Yeah, uh, that is a that is a wonderful way uh, to capture that sentiment and to, and to phrase it. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you said that, and I'm really glad you said that exactly the way uh, you just said that. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Beatrice in Southfield, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, thank you so very much. First uh-huh. of all, I want to let you know I was actually born in Detroit in 1941. Uh-huh. I was born in uh, my family's home at 1733 Joseph Campbell. Uh, when I was five years old, I went to Bronston Elementary School. Bueller Brewer <clears throat> was the principal. Uh, she was a black lady. And uh, I lived over there and had a wonderful uh, education that started there. Of course, I moved to the west side of Detroit when I was about, uh, I guess, about eight years old. But my point here is that I attended Detroit Public Schools when it was one of the top schools in the nation. That was my start. Since that time, I, of course, got five degrees from Wayne State University, and I've had a wonderful, wonderful life, done so many things. But this is the first time I've heard people really talk about what Detroit used to be. And I want so much to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, Beatrice, I'm really glad you you called and, uh, and shared those memories, not just of of the neighborhood that you grew up in, but also the school that you went to. So many people uh, in the city uh, have have school memories that are now also gone because those schools no longer uh, exist. Uh, So thank you very much uh, for that call. Let's go to Mark. Mark in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Um, Hello to your guests. Thank you all for this segment. This is really um, incredible history to hear. I just wanted to comment about uh, about three weeks ago, I was um, at a training with a lady, her name was Auntie Naima, and she was, our training was about a community building project that we're doing on the west side of the city over near the Lodge in Davison. And we uh-huh. were talking about what brought us to the project. And she was talking about 
the sense of loss that she felt after being pushed out of Black Bottom all those years ago, and how basically ever since then she's just been searching for um, a sense of community, and and that was what brought her to this project. Um, this was this is a part of a sort of Muslim community building project that we're doing. So related to that, I just wanted to comment that um, Muhammad's uh, the, the first temple in the Nation of Islam was actually on Hastings Street, and I don't know if 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 that has surfaced in any of those photos that your guests have found, but it would be incredible to see something like that. To see um, the photos that, of that, that sure. building moved west to Linwood. It's now called Masjid Wali Muhammad. But the Nation of Islam that, you know, was this incredible social movement of the 20th century started right here in Detroit in Black Bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for uh, injecting that piece of history into the into the conversation. Uh, Emily Kudel, have you found in that uh, in that Burton collection any of those photos? Um, so we, I haven't found any photographs of the temple um, because there's actually not very many photographs of Hastings Street itself in that collection. Um, they were they were mainly f- photographing the residential homes in the neighborhood that they were demolishing. I th- I think that it's because of the way the eminent domain process worked. They, you know, it, it, I think it was part of a different demolition process because Hastings Street was actually demolished ten years after Black Bottom. Huh. The neighborhood of Black Bottom was demolished. Right. Um, right. But I, I have actually um, been in touch with a gentleman um, from Highland Park who uh, has uh, done a lot of work about the history of that temple. And he, um, Marsha, you want to? Polly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's another, um, gosh, my I'm forgetting his name right now, um, but uh, we're going to have lunch next week, um, and he's going to talk about, uh, you know, how we can collaborate. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I, I didn't know about it. So um. one of the things, Stephen, uh-huh. uh, that I think is important for people to know historically, uh, we tend to speak of the destruction of Hastings Street and Black Bottom kind of simultaneously. Simultaneously, right. Yeah, and, so it, it all happened at, at, at once, right? Yes, but uh, it did not. And in fact, uh, Black Bottom had been destroyed about a decade before Hastings was, and the land of Black Bottom lay empty for an, a decade, just like you see empty spaces in the city today uh-huh. uh, for a long time. Uh, which, which 10 years is a long time in, a, in an individual, let's say a young person or a child's life, sure. uh, that it was an empty space for a long time. And then uh, Hastings uh, that lay adjacent to Black Bottom, then it was destroyed in order to build the freeway. So that is a, a distinction that people don't often make. I also, if I may, like to mention also, we sure. are developing a collaboration with a local artist, uh, Tim Burke, who is a collector of the arcana of old buildings, and uh, he uses uh, parts of old buildings and uh, structures in order to create his art. He has a studio on Heidelberg Street uh, uh, in the midst of the Heidelberg Project over there, and he has a collection of photos that he has um, discovered in his uh, searchings of the city uh, that are uh, complementary with the photographs that we are looking at uh, in this project. So uh, he is also another person who uh, we are uh, in connected with with this project. This is really an amazing 
thing, Stephen. This is yeah, yeah. this is the a depth game and breadth changer. of it is uh, yeah no I know it's it it really is it really is uh, mind blowing. I, I I don't I don't love that word because I think people use it uh, too often. But I think uh, it's really really appropriate. Uh, well, I am a mature context. Detroiter. I've been here all of my <laughs> life, and to see the earnestness of this young woman Emily, this newcomer to Detroit, to see her earnestness in wanting to pursue this has been so moving to me. I I truly, immediately upon meeting her, I I told her that I really felt that she had what one might call a calling. She's yeah. had a calling to do this. And it has been just very gratified to have her not only pursue this, but have her respect her own uh, lack of knowledge about the area enough in order to reach out to those that she felt uh, could be helpful uh, in this process to give it the uh, the treatment that it needs, because this right. is really a profound breakthrough in the understanding of Detroit history. Sure, sure. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guests are Emily Kudel, an architect who's working to reconstruct Detroit's old Black Bottom neighborhood through photographs online. Also with us is Marsha Music. She is an advisor on the Black Bottom Project. If you want to join the conversation... Tell us about your memories of neighborhoods that are lost here in the city of Detroit, not just Black Bottom, but think of lots of other places that have gone away or effectively gone away uh, over the last few decades. Uh, talk about the importance of preserving that history. Uh, what do you think about uh, how we ought to do that, how we ought to embrace that? Uh, you want to talk about the history that we are looking back specifically to this year, uh, 1967, 50 years ago, uh, the rebellion in the city of Detroit, the things that caused it, the things that changed because of it. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, all of that this year and, and today? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Dennis in Detroit. Uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, uh, Stephen. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, I, I don't have a direct personal connect, uh, connection to the Black Bottom area, but I came to Detroit July 16th, 1967, and I've been working here ever since in the last 20 years in uh, neighborhood revitalization. I think the, I mean, people have talked about the things that, that have been lost through this kind of disruption that we're talking about, the uh, demolition of neighborhoods. And I would suggest that the loss of social networks uh, is probably the, the worst part of the loss. Uh, when I came here, the Jeffries Freeway was uh, in, um, in process, um, and uh, thousands of homes were being uh, torn down, and the, the clergy I was working with at the time were commenting on how um, how socially disruptive that could be. Uh, you think of, uh, I know the, the subject of the morning is um, the, the social networks in the uh, Black Bottom area, which uh, were uniquely important to the African-American community, but just now extend that all the full length of 
I-75 and the Lodge and the Jeffreys. Um, and yeah. just think of all of the neighborhoods that were that are gone because of those. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, thank you very much uh, for that call and those comments, uh, Dennis. That's a, that I think there's a really important dimension of this of this uh, discussion and this story. Marcia, uh, I, I say all the time that I, I can't think of another American city that is quite as cut up uh, inside the city uh, the way Detroit is by the expressways. I mean, it's not just that uh, we did it once, uh, it's that we did it over and over and over again and never seemed to learn that uh, that the effect of that was not just, uh, you know, speedy transportation out of the city, but it was actual literal destruction uh, of the city itself. And I, 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 I really believe that part of the challenge we have now with neighborhoods trying to sew neighborhoods back together is navigating around all the all the expressways we have. Yes, we tend, those of us who have been in Detroit all of these years, tend to look at this as our normal life. But to look at how uh, these neighborhoods have been basically surgically cut up yeah. in a way that could only have been destructive to the social networks, it's funny how the caller, Dennis, uh, so accurately describes uh, his first mention is of the Jeffries Freeway because yeah. even though we're talking about the Black Bottom Hastings Street area and the Chrysler Freeway, it is the Jeffries Freeway that I personally always think about when I think about the destruction of neighborhoods. And I think it's because as a young person, I had a set of cousins that lived there and uh, in that area. And so I had a, a sense of a, of a neighborhood with homes and houses and all of this and how a freeway actually cuts out entire blocks of the, the contiguous community. Yeah. And yeah. what that does over and over again all over the city is causes a certain sense of dislocation in the neighborhoods. I visited San Francisco, visiting my son, and the first time I was there, I was so struck by that lack of cutting up of neighborhoods and how the neighborhood stayed intact there because in San Francisco, there was a movement there to stop the development of freeways through the neighborhoods. Yep. And yep. so you don't see that same type of uh, real uh, precise uh, destruction of sections of the neighborhood. Even more recently, I learned uh, in uh, a Facebook group of uh, Detroit Historical Architecture, uh, which is an amazing group, uh, that even in the construction of the Lodge Freeway, over 20 homes of the Boston Edison neighborhood, which are substantial homes, yeah. were removed. Uh, what, what did that mean to even that community? It's really amazing. So... Yes, uh, those freeways are, are a real um, source. And I think in Detroit, it was so great uh, because you remark about how much more significant those freeways are here is also because of the neighborhoods being very African-American 
after a certain amount of years, uh, as we began to finally be able to move to the city, and the sense that those communities could be um, easily done away with, easily uh, cut up like that, uh, I think was more substantial than in other cities uh, of the country. And I think that that is one of the reasons why we see it here. Sure. Sure. Okay, uh, Emily Kudel, architect and uh, uh, working to reconstruct Detroit's old Black Bottom neighborhood through photographs online, and Marsha Music, an advisor with the project. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about what it takes to rehabilitate a $500 house in Detroit and become part of a neighborhood. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.